0: I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review.
1: Welcome to episode 140, and besides, I'm leaving. This week, we're discussing series 9, episode 12 of Doctor Who, Hellbent, and season 2, episode 18 of Angel, Dead End.
0: As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right, so we're talking about Hellbent this year, and boy, is Hellbent. Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why that popped into my head, but I said it, and now it's done. Uh, so I wanted to um, start a little bit. We didn't actually, I you didn't mention if um, you had any production notes. I don't know if you do, like... Uh, I,
1: I don't know that I do particularly. Okay. Cool. Um. yeah.
0: I, okay. mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's moffat yeah i mean and i it's think it's jenna, I guess sort jenna, jenna of a
1: coleman's s- exit you know right all the stuff right. that's sort of obvious um right
0: it's it's the big it's the big story so of course he's gonna take it yeah, right yeah um and uh so yeah let's talk about the low because i want to talk about the frame or at mm-hmm. least the opening part of the frame maybe we can talk about the ending a bit um Because I do feel like you get, you get completely different vibes from the opening and the ending. Um, And and actually, I think, I mean, I feel like it's pretty well done the way um, they do it. But uh, you get the doctor sort of not knowing where he is, right? You get someone waking him up and kind of being like, hey, dude. Um, (laughs) And... uh, he comes across this diner, which we've seen before. Mm-hmm. And I i mean I don't know that I particularly like remembered every detail or anything, but I sort of like was like, oh yeah, I think this is the same. This is familiar, yeah. Uh, diner that we saw with um, Matt Smith and Amy yeah. and Rory. And, yeah. Or Eleven, I should say, and Amy and Rory. Um, and uh, you come in and you see Clara and you know behind the counter there, and you know they seem to not know each other or or at least you're not sure I was assuming, and i'm mm-hmm. I'm sure the intent was that he was there sort of checking up on her, and mm-hmm. that she seemed to not know him,
1: yeah yeah
0: um I mean that's like I said, that seemed to be the intent, um I think that would be the reasonable assumption because we've, we've seen this story before, right. We've seen, uh, you know, him and Donna after her memories wiped and, and other people with sort of memory issues. Like, yeah. Yeah. The doctor's never the one to have those memory issues. Um, right. Yeah. It's always
1: him kind of checking up on all these people who've moved on and, and, you know, maybe either forgotten him or don't realize it's him or, and he's the one kind of surreptitiously sort of doing his following up. Right. Um, right. Well, and I think the other thing too, so there are the kind of references to the memory uh, wipe with Donna. So you kind of have that as a precedent. And then also I think with Clara in particular, um, there's the strong suspicion of, is this even the Clara that we know because we've seen so many other, you sure. know, kind of those echo versions of Clara. I know that was a big point of speculation going into this episode was if we see Clara, is it even the Clara that we know? This could be like an Oswin Oswald, you know, kind of
2: sure. not,
1: uh, maybe not like the act. So that I think there's a couple it's definitely not ends up being what you expect. That's for sure. And there's a couple different things that it fakes you out. I think it could have gone in a couple different directions. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was definitely thinking, I, I, I actually didn't think of that sort of ghost Clara or, you know, the, the, this fractured, you know, Clara throughout mm-hmm. all the different moments of the doctor's life. Um, lives uh but that certainly is one thing that yeah you could be thinking of so um no i would i was definitely thinking of it more along the lines of like he's coming in and like you were saying before like doing the checkup thing like mm-hmm. you know seeing how and and maybe not just even to see how she's doing but also does she really not remember anything mm-hmm. and so like he's telling her the story just to see her reaction, maybe of, right. you know, is it okay to leave her because she really doesn't remember, or maybe hoping that she does remember something, just on the chance that, like, if she remembers a little bit, then maybe she'll remember a lot, and you know, he can fix her that way or whatever. Like, we don't really know, right? What's right. Going what what his motivation is. Yeah. So, um, and you get little taste of that throughout. So, like. I don't, we don't need to talk about every, like, interruption in the story, per se. Yeah. But, like, um, you know, it, that sort of continues. Like, you get the, you know, like, her calling him a tease, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, you like you sure like cliffhanger kind of thing, you know, basically. And, uh, uh, you know, so those types of things. Um, again, thinking, like, oh, he's remembering this story.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: but, she you know doesn't know it, yeah. so um i mean you know it's it's a. i it, i I don't know what' more to say about that, I guess, just that like you know when you're when you're coming into it again, that's sort of the assumption of the doctor is not usually the one to have like the memory problems right yeah. um so. Alright. So we get Yeah, to... it kind
1: of it kind of flips the the balance of power a little bit, which I think is appropriate seeing where the story ends, and we can talk about the ending sort of when we get there, but it, it is it subverts, I think, the expectation of who is our kind of omniscient character in the story. Who's you yeah. know, who's the one who knows everything, and you just assume it's the doctor. Um and I wanna point out too the little um you know metatextual references too of the doctor playing the clara theme on the guitar so the theme yeah. that sort of accompanied her character throughout her story is now kind of this and, little tune stuck in his head and he identifies it with this character and isn't really sure why so i think and, that's kind of lovely
0: <laughs> yeah no yeah accompanies throughout in which uh, at least I don't remember if it actually ends the episode, but at least near the very end, there when when we're all right, we're, I know we're gonna talk about the closing frame later, but like mm-hmm. since you brought up the theme, like it's playing there, like as like yeah. you know, he's leaving the diner, and you know, she's like opening yeah. the back door to the you know yeah. further inside the TARDIS, right, right, you know, kind of thing. So um, yeah, no, it's uh,
1: and 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 using we've had this ongoing motif of the doctor playing on his riffing on his guitar the whole season. So to bring that into the, rather than just keep using it for the fun of it, bring that into sort of the story proper. um, And it's, I mean,
0: you know, on the one hand, like he's, you know, he's playing the guitar and doing whatever, but you know, the same token, it's, it's like his sort of non, it's the thing he does sort of, reactively or or sort of without thinking, so that he can think about things, you know, so that like his yeah. back brain can sort of process stuff. So right, right, um, you do have to sort of wonder what is he, you know, processing, what is he, mm-hmm. you know, working on there, um, and and then there's this idea of of story itself, like you know where he says, uh, and and not that this is sort of the first time the idea has been, mm-hmm. um, you know. Given, but that, like you know all stories are true, yeah uh at least in some sense, um and that you you know it's these truth it's these true things that become stories, uh, and then you know the the Clara's equating of that to, well, maybe some of those become songs, mm-hmm. um, so um yeah, no, i do like I do like that aspect, uh. All right. So to the story itself, mm-hmm. um, and so here, here's a question before we get into the details of the story. Is the doctor telling the story to Clara in the diner, or is this just like flashback, like, like we're seeing what actually happened, and like he's he's just saying because it it's that's the way it seems like when you sort of are first watching it, but then sort of on reflection, when you realize he doesn't actually remember Clara. Right. So like he remembers the idea of her and he sort of knows about her and, you know, he he talks about, he sort of talks a big game of, you know, I can, I can sort of see the shape of her by the hole she left kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But you realize like, he can't possibly be telling this story because he doesn't remember her. So is this, is it more like he's talking about her in sort of as much as he knows? And then this is like, what we're seeing is actually not the doctor's recollection, but Clara's recollection. Sure. That's as, what I was
1: just thinking is, is could we be seeing Clara's memories as, yeah. As he walks her through the story as he knows it, you know, yeah. or at and, and, least, or at least it's, it's maybe a combination, you know, like, you know, the bits with him and then are supplemented by her own kind of memories. That's definitely a Right, because he would,
0: he would remember going back to Gallifrey, presumably. Right. He just wouldn't necessarily remember the stuff that he did related to Clara.
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe he knows he was in Gallifrey and maybe because he knows the name Clara mm-hmm. and like, you know, cause the guy who like wakes him up, t- tells him about Clara, like right. he knows like he was there for something to do with her, but he doesn't know right. what the details of that are. Right. Right. Um,
1: right. And well, and, and then there are the other bits where like, and, uh, I don't know if this only confuses the issue but there's I'm thinking of the section where he you know he kind of says like she told me something important but I don't know what it was and we don't get to see what it was. So there's like almost a missing memory there of whatever conversation they had and the fact that we don't even get to see it. Um and is that because sure. Clara, you know, is withholding that information or because he just doesn't remember it and so we're not privy to it? Um it's not quite I'm not quite sure exactly who is narrating this story but
0: um yeah or or if it's just straight flashback like maybe it's not supposed to be a frame necessarily mm-hmm. it's I mean it's a frame from our point of view but maybe like we're just you know the way the story is told is that we're we're getting insight into this but that doesn't mean Maybe maybe there's not anything going on story wise, you know, and mm-hmm. as far as like them telling each other, even the memory flashbacks, it's just that we're, you know, uh, sort of omniscient observers, right, right, except except for the part that we don't know, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, so regardless of what the answer is to all of that cuz i feel like we didn't really come up with one i i i think that I, I mean i feel like maybe 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 the hybrid approach is the appropriate one for this story in that sure. um like you said like we're getting like sort of an amalgamation of the doctor's memory and clara's memory um, mm-hmm. in in looking gotcha. at the story um so yeah, so which, which yeah, I
1: mean that makes sense if if we go with the hybrid theory that you know, if of the many options we have, we choose the theory that the hybrid is the Dr. and Clara's sort of combined forces. Um, yeah. you know, and kind of acting as one in a way, then that sort of makes sense that this is a kind of compilation of the things that they're you know, that they've right. experienced and are remembering.
0: Right. Yeah, I kind of like that. Uh, all right, so going with that idea then, we start off with the Doctor sort of revisiting this barn mm-hmm. structure that uh, that we saw in um, Day of the Doctor. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: and in Listen. Um, sure. There's the sections where he's sort of a boy that it's implied that that's where he grew up or at least where he spent a certain amount of time as a child, so. Right, right. So do we know who this woman is? I don't think so, no. Okay. Um. I mean, I could guess, but I don't think we get... There's a lot of wordless understanding going yeah. on between her and the doctor. And, like, I like that how...
0: Cause and the you do kind of wonder, and... Yeah,
1: it's sort of like... Well...
0: I call them villagers. I don't know if they're villagers. I, you just sort of assume that they're not they're not like the time Lord Gallifreyans. they're like right, the, they're right. the commoner right, right there
1: seems to be a pretty big uh, gulf between the very you know right technological and warlike and you know powerful you know time lords and then these kind of like rustic you know yeah. country folk um, well,
0: sorry, and- go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say, I like the wordlessness of it, because it kind of flirts with this idea of, you know, if Time Lords or Gallifreyans, I guess, are always sort of changing personal- changing faces and personas and everything. I like that they can just sort of recognize each other just by some sort of instinct sure. of the way she looks at him and kind of gives him that look like, is it you? And he sort of nods like, yes, like there's something about him which tells her this is the doctor, you know, and, and I imagine that he recognizes her too. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say some sort of caretaker of, you know, a, a children's home or orphanage or whatever, but like, that's a, that's just a guess based on what we've seen from like listen and this and everything. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, given that, you know, this obviously has some sort of childhood significance, the the barn has mm-hmm. some sort of childhood significance, and the disparity between, um, like you said, the sort of technological, uh, you know, the, the techno-savvy mm-hmm. Gallifreyans versus the, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, rural or you know under privileged or whatever you want to call them, Gallifreyans Um I mean that also like that you feel like that might explain some of his roguishness, right? Like he wasn't <laughs> brought up in sort of the urbane uh yeah. you know uh understanding uh you know I mean I I really I'm going into like, you know Freudian psychology of the doctor which you know whatever so like I mean take this as you know however many grains of salt you want but um I do feel like there like you're definitely given the sense of you know the gulf that that there's this divide um and a literal divide because he puts a line in the sand right like yeah he he actually like says you know don't step over this line or whatever and then you get um you know, you get the uh, the the townies or the villagers or whatever you want to call them, you mm-hmm. know, sort of cheering as he does this. And it's, it's like, yes, he's showing them up. And of course you have like his status as a war hero sort of thrown mm-hmm. in. So it's like, you know, he, maybe he's from this village culture, but, you know, he's traveled. And yet he, when he comes back, where does he go? He comes back to the village, right? So he's like, he's like the war hero who went and did his thing that he needed to do. And now Mm -hmm. he's back. He's still one of us kind of things. You know, I feel like that's almost a very, um, I mean, I realize this is a British show, but I feel like that has a very sort of like American doughboy aspect Mm. to it. Like, you know, in the world war, it's like, you know, we were isolationists, but when we joined our people stepped up and then they came back and came home again. And, you know, we're very much the, you know, whatever. Not to say that Americans are the only one who can feel that way. I'm sure anyone who has sort of experienced that. But I, I don't know. I just get that. It has that sense to it of like, mm-hmm. you know, even though he's gone away and done all these things and whatever, like it hasn't maybe changed him at the core of who he is. He's still one of us, you know, rural, lowly, yeah. you know, not... Civilized, so to speak, right, people. right, and um, still
1: speaks for the people, not for yeah. the elite. You know, right. up there and, in the high, you know, council chamber. He right. wasn't. If he became a Time Lord and a warrior and all these things, he wasn't changed by that. In, I mean, he was changed. We know that, but he wasn't
0: at least from their times.
1: For their perspective, yes. he wasn't. Right, right. You know, he didn't become a Rassilon or you know or one of these other
0: you right know. he still holds the hometown values yeah. and still yeah. has one so yeah you definitely get that sense of that divide you know the sort of class divide there mm-hmm. um and but also like then you have you know the army people come out and you know rassilon sort of orders his execution on the spot there yeah and then, you know, what do they do? No, they cross the line, but to join him, right? right. Like, it's right. not a threatening, it's they throw down their weapons and, and yeah. go across the joint. So you get that sense of, you know, he's uh, maybe, unlike some other times, he's a uniting factor more mm-hmm. so than a dividing one. Um, Even though, again, he does draw that dividing line, so to speak.
2: Right,
1: and so um, like the very, you know, kind of people in power end up sort of, Rejecting their own corrupt leadership in favor of like what the doctor stands for, um, right. you know they're all all the soldiers shoot wide when they're told to shoot him, you know. Right. Um, none well, of them actually wants to be the one who hit the do- and killed the doctor. Um,
0: right. So and and they mention you know specifically his war hero aspect, yeah. right? Like so for them, it's it's not that he grew up here and that he's a good person that way. It's it is sort of for the values that they, yeah. uh, uh, which, which interesting, I didn't really make this connection till just now, but that's the hybrid aspect there too, right? Like if you, sure. if you want to look at like this story as having sort of multiple hints or allusions to his hybrid nature, that's another mm-hmm. one. It's that, you know, it's the, the key bridges that divide between the, the rural, uh, mm-hmm. you know, villagers and the, you know techno savvy urbane mm-hmm. time lords and uh you know sort of knights well, gallifrey in that way
1: and kind of you know uh peacefulness on one side and warfare on the other you know he has the allegiance both of like the military sure. and and of these sort of civilians um you know who you know, because you know and it's sort of as the war hero not just you know uh Ender of the Time War and Defeater, you know, uh, you know, whatever you want to call him, on, oncoming storm sort of Defeater of the Daleks, but but right. now the savior of Gallifrey, the 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 one who figured out how to get us out of that mess and saved our lives, not just you know killed people too. Like you know, there's that sense of that's what commands you know the real not just respect in the sense of he should be obeyed, but as someone who's deserving of their loyalty over Rassilon, um, who Mm. is sort of, you know, the more you see of Rassilon, the more you realize how kind of a violent person he is sort of in his nature, Mm. you know, um, like, you know, the time war is over and he's sort of ready to kill the guy who saved their entire planet. So, um, yeah, I I like that idea. I think I want to keep thinking about that of how other like what other ways can the the hybrid fit into this. Um,
0: mm. I
1: think there's a sure. lot there.
0: Sure. Um, okay. So ultimately, we get the doctor succeeding here. Rassilon leaves uh, after the general. Is that what they call him? Yeah. Tells tells uh, Rassilon to get off the doctor's planet. Um, and there, and there's the United, right? It's the Doctor's planet. It's, right. you know, it's, which the Doctor had already declared, it's my planet. Yeah. But, like, now this is, like, confirmation, right? Like, it's it's a popular coup and a military coup kind of right. all rolled right. into one.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, uh, so, the Doctor then goes from the barn to the city. Um, from from the barn to the skyscraper, I guess you could call <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, um, you know that sounds like one of those old, like you know, like Stratemeyer Syndicate, like you know, <laughs> the the uh, uh, you know, I don't know, like you know, yay capitalism. Go from you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, kind of like right. success stories. Yeah, <laughs> from the from the barn to the skys- skyscraper. Uh, so he yeah, goes, he has
1: this sort of self-made. You know, yeah up from nothing, kind of
0: you know um. uh, so you get you get him talking with the council, um or what I don't know if they're officially a council, like there's a group of people who all seem sort of official there yeah. right, um and like <laughs> and I lo- you like you talks about you know their clothing and stuff, and, oh, you encrypt yeah. my style, well, of course, this is all like ceremonial dress, it seems like yeah, yeah, um, or at least like ornate, you know overly ornate sort of pompous official yeah styles or whatever um and you get so you get like the military people you get this sisterhood of karn Mm -hmm. which uh i don't really know what that is have we seen that before i'm trying to yeah
1: so they're the ones who i kind of don't really know why She's here, other than to make like sarcastic remarks around all the others and generally sure. give them a hard time. But, like, which,
0: which let's face it is as which, good a reason as any. Sure.
1: Maybe you just need someone there to kind of put them in their place. But she's the one uh, who the doctor went to them um, when we saw the regeneration from Paul McGann into John Hurt when he sort of drinks his magic potion. Oh, right. And they right, give right. him his sort of. Uh, magical, you know, influence, regeneration. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they're another group of immortals, as she says, you know, at the end of time, you can expect the the company of immortals. Like, Mm -hmm. when you get this far out in time and space, you know, we're the only ones left, and maybe we're a bit bored, so she's going to kind of turn up and, you know, basically just, like, make, you know give them generally a hard time kind of seems to be her function, but she's sort of interested to see how the politics of the whole thing play out, I guess.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. No, I had forgotten that that was where she came from, which, you know, okay. That makes sense. Especially with the references to the war doctor, you know, that, that come before that sort of, yeah. Um, you know, him being a war hero, that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah, and she kind of has the cutting line about um, when he kind of banishes Rassilon and she says, you know, were you just being cruel or just being cowardly? Which is kind of the reference back to his promise of, you know, uh, never cruel or cowardly. That was his sort of, you know, ethos behind the name of the Doctor. So, her mm -hmm. kind of snide you know one way or the other, you are letting down you know the idealism of what you're supposed to stand
0: for um yeah which is you know if is', is the implication being perhaps that he's both or you know hybrid, sure again, uh, <laughs> uh yeah, that like I mean they don't necessarily have to be mutually exclusive, like he could be a coward and okay. still like. Be cowardly in the most cruel way that, Mm -hmm. you know, he knows how. Um, So. He's in the city. He talks with the council. um, Things are said.
1: (laughs) Words are exchanged. Uh,
0: Ultimately, though, the result is that um, he gets to go back to save Clara. Yes. Uh, I forget the device, what it's called um
1: i just it's like they go to like an extraction chamber or um, yes
0: extraction chamber that's what it is yes uh and you know they go back to uh you know where clara is so the extraction apparently being extracting her from time right for for however you know for an indefinite amount of time, apparently. Right, right. Um,
1: Probably intentionally, the idea is just for a couple minutes, you know.
0: <laughs> but, right, um, right. Yeah. But what good are intentions in Doctor Who? No, nothing. Uh, yeah, right. So so the idea being that, like, they pull her out and she is um, – she is literally extracted from time because it's, like they say, it's like between two heartbeats, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this, this moment uh, in time, um, not the moment that we've seen before, but no. a moment uh, for her. Um, although, presumably, time still passes normally for everyone else, right? So, like, she's just sort of like now this outside of time right. being... Um. Who. Uh, and and like you know, she doesn't have a heartbeat, and it sort of messes with her a bit. But uh, it's all sort of I mean, so obviously the doctor wants to save her. Um, mm-hmm. and gets this uh. You know, gets this other device. <laughs> I'm having a real problem remembering the names of technology. Um. <laughs> Uh, you know, to, to use presumably later, but um, they go down into the cloisters of Mm -hmm. which I guess is underneath the city somewhere. Like we're not really told, but it seems sort of subterranean and uh, whatever where um, basically once you're there, you're trapped Mm -hmm. (laughs) for good. You, you're either caught, because you're sneaking around in there or you're caught because you're trying to escape from there is the, um, you know, sort of the premise behind it. Right, they
1: get you if you leave. Oh, and if you stay, too. Right. So, yeah.
0: Uh, And so you get, like, all of the different um, beings that are down there. These wraiths, which are sort of, like, robotic Mm -hmm. creatures that just go around apparently trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there 's also like other creatures that have sort of been caught down there, like a doll the you know they run across a doll like and some angels and mm-hmm. a cyberman or whatever um, right is there a cyberman or did yeah. I just make yeah. that up in my head no there <laughs> is
1: i think yeah
0: um, so uh, the idea being that somewhere in there there they can access this huge database that the time lords have put together um, to kind of i forget exactly why but like it i
1: i think it's sort of a i kind of or idea or is, or is that, that
0: the red herring like
1: i think that's the red herring and i kind yeah. of want to talk about the red because i think it's sort of a nobody would be crazy enough to follow us in here type situation so that he can because he's the only one who's ever been in and come out and he knows how to get out so he can go sneak out and steal the TARDIS. And then this will buy us enough time to make our escape. And I kind of want to, it is hard to keep track of because I don't think the plot really ends up mattering all that much. You know, you kind of realize in retrospect that the whole, you know, all this torture that the doctor went through to survive in the confession dial and, knowledge of the hybrid and what are they going to do about it and all this stuff is you know and him him even pretending that he knows things about the hybrid to convince them that he knows more than he does is all just a fake out um so that he can manipulate his way into getting clara out um you know which i think is kind of interesting, although it makes it tough to remember exactly what was the significance of everything. Um,
2: Yeah. You know,
1: but that also feels very doctor that, you know, he's not really one to care too much about prophecies about some unspecified, you know, monster that may or may not turn up one day and who that might be. And it feels kind of, you know, typical of him that if, if, pretending that he knows what it is, is the only way to sort of let them, you know, uh, I guess, manipulate his way back to Gallifrey so that he can do all of this. Um, Then that's what he has to do. And it all ends up being, you know, by the end of it, we still don't really know what the hybrid is for sure. I mean, there's a lot of different theories presented. Um, Sure. You know, and Yeah, I'm not sure what else to say about that. I guess, were you, I guess, I mean, I'm sure you weren't necessarily expecting that. Um, Did that come across as satisfying enough? Like, I'm curious whether that was sort of...
0: uh, I'm sorry, what what specifically? Well,
1: so, I mean, there (laughs) is the question of, like, payoff. Like, you build up the hybrid for the whole season. And, you know, um, I kind of enjoy the fake out that it ends up being, I think there's quite a good payoff, but not to the story you were expecting, but I could see a kind of, you know, perhaps disappointment with, uh, the fact that that becomes a complete side issue to what, you know, the doctor's real sort of motivations are.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, so you get the, you get the fake. I guess there's sort of multiple fake outs using the same sort of pun, right? Of the hybrid is me, uh, yeah. you know, meaning oh, is it the doctor? Oh, wait a minute, no, he means me as in a shilder. Yeah, but yeah. then, but then, you know, kind of like you said before, like there's the aspect of like it's sort of the doctor and Clara together, maybe, or mm-hmm. like you know, there's yeah, like I,
1: I mean, which I actually of the of all the different theories that they give that one's my favorite that the Dr. Clara hybrid because it kind of makes their relationship in a way like the big bad of the season like it's the thing that has to be sort of defeated in the end you know it's 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 that decision you know to kind of I'm jumping ahead a bit but um in that way I feel like it does tie in the hybrid plot so it's not just completely unimportant to the story. It's just mm-hmm. that it's in a much weirder angle than you expect
0: it to be. Um, but yeah, I guess um, I. I mean, was I disappointed? No, because I thought the story was good, and like I, I feel like, and maybe this is kind of the point. Like I feel like. The fact that like finding out who the hybrid is actually gets undercut by the other stuff, the, the you know, Clara and the doctor stuff and sort yeah. of that's almost what is Schilder's there even to say at the end. So like yeah. is like, I I mean, I don't remember her exact words, but it's just kind of like, so here we are at the end of time why are we here? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's like, what, what did you really come all this way to do? Um. And, you know, sit here in you know, this reality bubble with me and just kind of like, you know, you're running away from things, but you've gone as far as you can and you still haven't outrun it. So like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, w- at what point is it time to face it? And so, you know, I don't know. May- I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe that's, that is sort of the best explanation then is that it's the doctor and Claire. like we, we, you know, the fans have been sort of, or, you know, at least those fans who like Clara have yeah. been sort of, you know, denying all along, like, no, 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 this can't be the last, you know, what's going to happen now. And, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, like we've said before, I I mean, we like well before now, Clara mm-hmm. has been sort of the longest, running companion with mm-hmm. the doctor and then you add into the fact of like all the split versions of her and you know all the you know yeah. different what you know what you call them like the ghost versions, or, like or, the echoes like, yeah the echoes or whatever of her like throughout the doctor's various lives which presumably he remembers like we don't i guess we don't ever get explicit reference that he remembers all of those but like
1: Or maybe some and not not others, but... Yeah, yeah. but
0: I mean, like... Like, he at least knows that she did all those things. And, Mm -hmm. like, maybe he does or not, but... Yeah. um, Which, actually, I mean, just thinking on that level... Really makes the implications of his memory loss even more interesting. And, Mm -hmm. like, potentially more devastating. Because it's not just the 12th doctor or even the 11th doctor who knew Clara for a while, but it's all the iterate, like explicitly she went and, you know, right. throughout all of his different throughout his whole timeline and, yeah, and his timeline and, you know, you know, did all these different things. So like, if he forgets her, like he's not just forgetting Clara as we sort of see her in, you know, the mm-hmm. whatever you know however many seasons that she's been in the three plus seasons i guess at this point yeah um but we see her you know he forgets her in all of those iterations presumably mm-hmm. so there's like it's not just like you know maybe the last couple years that he's not remembering you know well except for the 4.5 billion years that he was in the um you yeah. know. <laughs> Uh, uh, confession dial but like you know the the last couple of years that he spent with Clara but he actually forgets like pieces of all his thousands of years that he's been traveling around yeah. um, the universe so that's an interesting aspect that I didn't really think of um, so yeah back to what I was saying I do kind of like the idea that you know that you were sort of putting forward of that the thing, the the hybrid that we're facing as sort of watchers is the relationship between the Doctor and Clara. Um, and
1: and well, uh, and there's another. I think it's it's been building for a little while too. Of, I mean, we've talked about like Clara's, you know, increasing recklessness and everything, but also, you know, they're the way they're kind of because they're alike the way that they push each other to further and further sort of extremes. And then, you know, so you get something like at the end of the last season with, you know, in the face of, you know, Danny's death, Clara's sort of, her sort of sabotage and manipulation of the doctor to sort of, you know, go to hell as they say, and, and try to break him out. And so, you know, and Missy kind of calling out, um, Ways in which they're dangerous for each other, you know, as much as they might, you know, be good for each other in some ways and might get along really well. You also have the sense of, you know, uh, the the companion who would tell him to go to hell and he actually would do it, you know. And so, you know, if you're kind of looking on the at least if not destructive, at least dangerous aspects of that relationship, that being the thing which has to be sort of you know, broken up at the end that there has to, like you said, the doctor carries her all the way to the end of everything to try to avoid the inevitable. So at what point do they have to turn around and, you know, uh, face, you know, the things which will come one way or the other. Um,
0: Sure. Sure. You know,
1: they have to sort of make a decision, I guess.
0: So, and i wonder I, okay so if if Clara is um you know if part of the problem is that they're too much alike, and that, like you said, they push you know each other i mean i because I feel like that sort of defines the doctor companion relationship in general, like I feel sure. like part of part of it is that they push each other in different ways and and maybe maybe this one happens to be a, uh ultimately self-destructive way or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but if that's the case, is that a function of Clara's personality per se? Like maybe, you know, maybe it's, it's too much of the, uh, uh, um, you know, birds of a feather and not enough of the, the opposites attract kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it, does it have to do with that duration of, you know, and again, you know, you, like, I don't know that, okay, all the echoes, like maybe, maybe she doesn't remember all of those herself, but like, there's still that impact on him that they mm-hmm. would have. And so like her personality would there, but then there's also the fact that she's been with him again, longer than any other companion, at least in recent, you know, in new who, mm-hmm. um, you know, so is it, like, could this happen to any companion? Like, any companion who has been with the doctor for the length of time that she has. Right, right. Uh, you know, especially given that, like, in the early days, it was, it was like, you know, oh, sort of a weekly thing. Like, oh, only on Wednesdays. Like, Wednesdays are Adventure Day, you know.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, But then it grows to be, like, more and more and more, and, yeah. you know, there's sort of a You know, boulder rolling down a hill aspect, you know, until you sort of reach terminal velocity kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Um, You know, so maybe maybe that has as much to do with it, just the the amount of time that they end up spending together, um, you know, could be an aspect of that as well. And again, I mean. You know, with every companion, there's always that, oh, what happens between the episodes where, you know, there could potentially be many adventures that right. we don't ever right. see or long spans of time where they don't see each other or whatever. Um, but I feel like just like if if you can say that what we see on screen is proportional even if there are sort of those off-screen adventures, like maybe there's still a proportionality to, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know, each companion and how much time they spend to the doctor that, you know, certainly this is a companion who spent more time with the doctor maybe than others. And, you know, over multiple iterations where not all of them have really only Rose is the other one, right. Who's, who's spent, Significant amount of time with more than one iteration of the doctor,
1: right? Yeah, probably of the new show. I think that's
2: probably of, true. of the yeah.
0: yeah of of the new show. I, yeah, I always have to qualify it that way because sure, sure. Um, because we yeah I've, we I've never gone seen into any that. yeah yeah of the old. So yeah, I mean I mean of the new show. Yeah, um, yeah. certainly. So, um, so yeah, and 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 Clara got more of each doctor than rose did. Yeah. You know, so rose you have a pretty clean cut of, you know, like two seasons split even be evenly yeah. between two doctors. Whereas with Clara you get sort of like a season and a half with mm-hmm. Matt Smith with 11 and then you get the two seasons with
2: Right.
0: um 12. So Yeah. Anyway, I know I'm sort of like babbling. Well, and,
1: and, and I think you on, can but- even like yeah, you can extrapolate to, it's it's partly her, you know, her particular personality, partly just the length of time. But then also, I think you can kind of, like you said, this is kind of, in a way, the the pushing each other is is, you know, true of any companion. You know, to what extent is this just a general confrontation between the idea of when is, like, a companion-doctor relationship becoming too, you know, entrenched and difficult to move on from. Like, you know, you can kind of say this is the doctor confronting those issues for all of his companions of that difficulty of letting go um, and, you know, accepting uh, when things, you know, need to change, either because somebody's making a decision to leave or because bad things happen and people, you know, Mm. get... Either killed or stuck somewhere else. Um, you know his kind of desperation to deny the reality of that when that happens, um, and what is he? You know, I like uh, you know Lady Me's thing of you know, look what you guys did. I I I'm kind of shudder to think what you'll get up to next. Um, you know, kind of how how much further can you keep? pushing it. Um, Sure. So, you know, that being a, not just purely about Clara in the particular, but about the companions in the abstract. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so now we're at the end of a season with the doctor alone again. Uh, And, and, you know, so harping on all of the same things of, you know, Clara has been with him longer than any other companion. Now we have a doctor who is going to be alone after having been with a companion longer than anyone else, you know? Right. So, right. so there's, sort of, that's the sort of double-edged sort of that, you right. know, aspect right. as well. The, a, another maybe hybrid aspect of, you know, yeah. uh, maybe it's a bad thing to, to be with someone that long that, you start acting so much like each other that it, you know, that it, it's sort of a positive feedback loop in, in a bad way. Right, right. Um, but then, you know, even if you sort of end up breaking that off, uh, yeah. you know, you have like, say, maybe to put it in like drug addiction terms, you have a, bigger withdrawal ahead of you than sure you know you would with other things
1: sure um, which and i and i wonder to what extent um the kind of real life meta will factor into that as well because we know we're going into a big long hiatus for the show you know there's not going to be any doctor who i mean we have a christmas special to talk about and then i think we'll have one this year as well. So you'll have a few episodes in between full mm. seasons. But basically, you know, we're going a whole year plus without any of the show. So I'm kind of curious to see does that play into the sense of, you know, loneliness? Or is it, is there going to be an implication that there's a long time in between, you know, the end of this season and the beginning of the next or something. Um, I mean, I don't know that, obviously, but that makes me... Like, we're being given a really long break as well. You know, we're kind of sent into, like, the void between seasons, you know, kind of like the Doctor is. So, um, Yeah. yeah, that makes it sort of intriguing to see where that will go. But I also kind of want to point out, that more so than a lot of the other departures, there is a sense of um choice and finality and even like uh kind of happy acceptance of it. The, you know you know it it's not Rose getting stuck in the parallel universe or Rory and you know Amy getting sent back. It's not even Clara, you know dying immediately and face the raven like we thought she was it becomes this choice of they both recognize that this is getting to be a problem and we agree that to do something about it Mm -hmm. um and it's still sad and it's still painful but there's also i think a difference when you you know uh make the choice for yourself rather than getting sort of you know, pushed into something that you didn't intend. So, um, and, you know, and I want to point out the kind of reversal that it is, you know, the, the, the Clara being the little doctor, mini doctor that she is reverses the polarity. So it ends up going, you know, backfiring on the doctor. So, you know, there are these references to Donna. Um, and I want to kind of, you know, point that out, that it's a kind of, without, I think, necessarily undermining the sadness of Donna's ending, It it is a gentle little rebuke of the way that ending went. It kind of, like, tells the doctor, like, he was wrong for what he did to her, which I think we kind of talked about that at the time, like, to what extent is he taking away her agency in that Mm. moment of doing something to her, which she doesn't want done. And that's part of the sadness of it um, is that she doesn't want to do this. Um, But, and so when this, when I was first watching this, I was getting, you know, as I could see where it was going with the memory loss, I was getting kind of worried of, Oh, are we just going to repeat Donna's story? And so I was kind of, I thought it was nice to see Clara take control of that and say, you know, whatever we do, we're going to do it intentionally and we're going to do it together. And you're not going to take that sort of choice away from her. Um, You know, and she talks about all the things we've talked about with her past being the, the, and her memories being what, you know, make up who she is. And, you know, losing that being, you know, as bad as sort of dying, if not worse. So,
2: yeah.
1: Um, you know, I thought that was a nice little reversal of that story and it kind of made it a little more refreshing than it would have been, I think.
0: Sure. Sure. And you, well, and it's, I mean, it, it re, I, you know, the question becomes, though, is it is it OK for Clara to do the thing that we uh, criticize the doctor for doing, <laughs> um, you know, by by being the one to reverse the polarity of the device? You know, well,
1: sure. But I think I think the key is that they don't know.
0: They yeah. both they no. both
1: they agree to play Russian roulette and we know. We we both know that there's a fifty-fifty chance and we genuinely don't know which way it's gonna go. And we're going in with our eyes open.
2: Yeah. And so no, there's a kind
1: of mutual risk taking there that is different than okay, I'm gonna one up and trick you into something.
0: Although that, you're although that's you're how, right that, that she how does it ends up because but that's yeah. not initially like she reverses right. the polarity and plans to do that to the doctor. Uh, No, and you're right. Before that happened, so
1: the trickery of it is very doctor-like. You know, you know, and she kind of says that is like she's kind of laughing at herself as she's saying it. Like we're so alike. I literally just reversed the polarity on this thing. Like (laughs) even as she's doing it, she's sort of noting the irony of it. Um, But yeah, you. I mean, you're right. It starts out more. I guess, uh, antagonistic. And it ends up with them kind of agreeing to just uh, sort of jump together, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yep, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, So we've got a few minutes left. I mean, I don't... Is there any any other part of... I know we've sort of... (laughs) have covered a lot of the closing frame as well. But is there any yeah. any other parts of the end of the story? We haven't talked much about me. I don't know that there's much to say about the fact that he, she's there. Um, you know, again, I, I, there is sort of like the humorous aspect of, oh, the hybrid is me. And then, mm-hmm. you know, oh, well, wait, who does that mean again exactly? Yeah. Um, and so it does kind of keep you guessing. Um, and, and the reiteration of, you know, who do you expect to find at the end of the world? Well, it's more immortals, right? Right. Um, or the end of the universe or whatever. Um, and also the, the sort of curious, uh, not curious, but sort of the echoes of her saying she's been sitting there watching the stars die with, um, it made me think of, of course. 10 saying to rose mm. I, you know burning up a sun to say goodbye kind of thing like yeah. that that there's a sort of little parallel there yeah. um
1: yeah you're right
0: <clears throat> yeah uh, i like
1: the way she uses it as kind of a fireplace like it's this nice warm thing sure, and it's right. pretty to look at and it's sort of you know
0: yeah yeah um, like it's her end of time yule log sure <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah uh Yeah, But yeah, I don't, I mean, other than sort of her being there and pointing out, like, I feel like another, you know, that's another aspect of sort of the red herring plot. Like, it's just like Mm -hmm. another, you know, moment to sort of talk through things. But I don't know how significant her ultimately is. Although, do we want to
1: talk about the very ending ending or are we not quite there yet?
0: yeah well that's what I was gonna say if we're not unless there's anything to talk about the sort of plot or the frame like yeah let's let's talk about how to how it ends, yeah,
1: so, so sure. yeah because I think um like we've kind of obliquely referenced it you know is the the uh, the the very ending where there is the big reveal that it's actually the doctor who can't remember, and it's Clara who does. So you get her lying to the doctor in the end, which is just great. Um, and, uh, you know, so the, has,
0: has anyone learned a lesson here?
1: I'm not sure. <laughs> it's, it's like the end of, uh, that just made me think of the end of the movie burn after reading. Did you ever see that?
0: Oh uh, yeah.
2: They
1: go yeah. like, okay, what did we learn? I don't actually know. Okay. <laughs> don't do it again. All right. Everybody. Good day. Um, <laughs> But but that's I think what's you know, it's the end of the the Doctor Clara relationship, but it's not the end of her doctorishness, you know, and like I found the ending really exciting that uh, you know, she gets her own kind of spin off, basically. Like literally, like she steals a TARDIS and runs away and you know, and I like that me is there as her kind of companion, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Like, she gets a companion of her own, and and me finally gets to, you know, escape her sure. slow path. And, you know, gets to kind of run off, you know, into space as she's been longing to for, you know, God knows how long. Um, you know, I think, like, for all the Clara stuff of her kind of doctor nature that is sort of the fulfillment of, you know, where her story has been going. Um, and, you know, and the fact that it kind of, in retrospect, makes the fact that, you know, the 11th doctor and Amy and Rory went into this diner that now you're thinking, well, that has to be Clara's TARDIS, right? Like it was, was sort of there all along and we just didn't realize it. Right. Um, and that it also gets stuck as some kind of inconvenient dated object um, is also like, it's just all these kind of parallels to, you know, sure, uh, you know, setting her up as kind of this other, you know, protege of his that then goes off to kind of, you know, tell her own stories and everything. Um, but also like without fully undermining The death, too, because you still get that sense of the death is still out there and it's fixed. And eventually, you know, it'll catch up to her and she'll, you know, kind of like the the veil following the doctor around in the castle. It's like, well, you might run and it'll kind of crawl, but eventually it's going to catch you. Um, You kind of get that little hint that someday she kind of says, I'll have to face the raven, but you know, but we can take a shortcut in a very, you know, or a detour, I guess, in a very doctorish sort of way, um, kind of running off to avoid the inevitable as long as you can, so, um, I really liked that for her ending. A lot of people I know are, uh, you know, I wouldn't say they're wrong, because everyone's entitled to their, and opinion about these things but a lot of people are happy to see Stephen Moffat move on from the show and you know on the one hand I'm kind of excited to see you know something new but I don't know on the other hand watching this ending I kind of thought you know will anybody else be as bold as this like you know it I like that he's willing to kind of do crazy things like you know not have the companion fully depart from the story, but sort of send her off into her own you know spin off um, sure. you know there's maybe, a kind of audacity to that that I really enjoy,
0: so maybe she'll uh, meet up with Jenny
1: hey, you know that'd, that'd I'm telling a, you
0: like that'd be a good crossover series, right
1: yeah, no, I mean we're all, we're you know there's this is. The continued growing, like, you know, Justice League of Doctor Who is like all the kind of immortals who are out there, you know, living in the image of the Doctor. So it's, you know, we're going to get Jenny and Jack and River and Clara and me all sort of team up someday.
0: Yeah. Um, We do need we do need a story about how Jack becomes the face of Bo. Sure, sure. That story needs to happen.
1: I I would like to see that story.
0: Anyway. Cool.
1: Anyway, I mean what I mean, what did you think for Clara's exit? Did that
0: Yeah, I did you find no, that I, a
1: satisfying ending for the character?
0: Or? I I thought it was good. Yeah, I mean I so Alright, going going into it, obviously. You know, it it was very hard to stay completely oblivious to stuff yeah. as the story was unfolding. Especially because um, this is
1: like so recent.
0: Right. That's what I mean. Like, you know, so so I knew. Uh, I knew things were going on, and I tried to sort of distance myself as much as possible. I knew this was the last season for Clara. I didn't know what was going on. And of course, you know, when I saw... I knew... And I knew something happened to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think I may have even mentioned in, you know, a couple, couple episodes ago, like, I didn't know that she was going to die or whatever. And of course, she still does. But it, I feel like it's an interesting and not not unsuccessful way to sort of have your cake and eat it, too. Yeah. Like, because yeah. cause you she dies she certainly dies and it's you know i saw a lot of people on twitter well a lot of i I saw at least a few tweets uh like saying how could the doctor do that and whatever and i don't know at what point that was like i don't remember Mm. because i don't i wasn't paying attention to when episodes were airing or whatever Mm -hmm. so was that you know sort of I would guess that that was around the time that Fear the Raven,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you know, was aired or whatever, but, like, maybe not. Maybe they're talking about something else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thinking that, like, oh, there's something that the Doctor could have or should have done, mm-hmm. you know, could he have somehow maybe stopped it or taken, you know, the tattooed to himself and then regenerated and you know Mm -hmm. sort of were there other things there but like the way that this happens you know through time lord technology and this extraction chamber or whatever like you get that okay it's a fixed moment in time we've just sort of artificially extended clara's time a bit longer right it still happens and it still happens when it happens and in the way it happens. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen her die. Mm-hmm. But she could still feasibly live on for years, centuries. Right. Like she, right. she, does, she can get a lot done. She doesn't have a heartbeat or breath. Like she's kind of like a vampire in sure. a way. Like, you know, she she doesn't have sort of the bodily functions that are necessary for life. She's out of time. Mm. Like both. In that she has no more time because as soon as she goes back, she's dead. But also in the sense of, like, time doesn't apply to her. She, Mm -hmm. you know, she's outside of time. And so she can do whatever she wants for as long as she wants until she has to face that raven, you know, ultimately. And Uh, and
1: what a beautiful metaphor for becoming like the Doctor, you know? Escaping time and... Doing whatever you
0: want. Well, (laughs) yeah, yeah, precisely. Like, you know, like, if she was like the Doctor before, this is like, she is the Doctor. Now, Mm -hmm. basically, she's, she's, uh, you know, a Doctor of her own at this point. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know... I know there's been some criticism of how Moffitt runs the show versus how Davies ran the show. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe all of his stories haven't been quite as up to snuff, but I think he, he did a good job here. Uh, generally speaking, I, I, I feel like it was a good way to do it. And, you know, I don't know, like from a real world practical aspect of, you know, uh, Jenna Coleman you know whatever she does next i know mm-hmm. she's in some like sitcom now or something right or going to be soon um no
1: actually she's doing um a mini series which is the producers behind downton abbey of uh oh that's about right that's about right. queen victoria with so uh yeah she's, she's like
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Like kind
1: of about the early years of queen victoria's reign so she's gonna fill the downton abbey shaped hole in the world um be the next big like costume drama you know on pbs that sort of thing
0: sure um but yeah like you know so who knows if whatever you know she's up to if at some point she'll be up for coming back for Mm -hmm. an episode or more than an episode or whatever you know but it leaves open that possibility that she could and whatever and you know uh maisie williams as well like you know it, it she's uh, another one that the doctor has turned, you know, into like herself. And so, you know, you could imagine the two of them going on many adventures together, or you could see one or the other of them sort of pop up here and there. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's satisfactory enough anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And as you were talking to, it occurred to me that Clara's li- both living and dead status kind of makes her more of a hybrid in a way you know um she's both at once you know sure or neither so um yeah Yep. okay did we cover i think we covered pretty much what there was to say so yeah we'll come back for the christmas episode our our last At least for the time being, our last uh, Doctor Who episode. So very exciting. Yeah. All right. But before that, we want to talk about Angel. So most of this episode really focuses on Lindsay. um, But I want to start and uh, talk about, I guess, like the other main sort of subplot and it's one that's not new and it's not necessarily resolved, but I want to kind of bring up this ongoing thing of Cordy's visions and, mm. um, we've kind of gotten hints of it before, but they're becoming more and more, uh, traumatic for her to deal with, you know, both, yeah, both physically and kind of emo- emotionally too. Um, And the two are kind of interconnected, you know, um, it seems like, you know, not only do the visions kind of have a physical effect of, you know, making her, you know, dizzy and giving her headaches and that sort of thing, but also, at least in this one, you kind of get the, the, because it starts with a vision that you don't necessarily know is a vision right away, it gives me the impression that she's almost experiencing it as she's seeing it. So it's not just like watching something, you know, on a TV screen. It's, it's almost like she's in, you know, the, the mind of the person who she's identifying with, with probably with the victim in any given, you know, scenario. Um, So the way that it's shot when he kind of, when the, the, the father in the, in the vision, you know, just suddenly without warning, sort of stabs himself in the eye with his knife. And then it cuts to Cordy, you know, kind of, you know, thrashing around and freaking out in the office. You get the idea that, you know, from her point of view, she just experienced that, that, you know, she probably had this sensation of, you know, poking mm-hmm. her own eye out and everything. Um, which obviously must be extremely painful and is doing crazy things with her psyche and her emotions. Um, You know, we've all had that experience of like either a bad dream or a near, you know, a close call with something dangerous where even just the idea that you could have been really, you know, hurt by something can like stick with you and you know become something that really is hard to sort of shake off afterwards um so yeah I kind of wanted to bring that up and and also like everybody's um reactions to that that they can kind of see that it's getting worse and worse and really don't know what to do about it or have any real ideas of how to you know, uh, go about fixing it. Um, and in fact they even need her to go and dig deeper to get more information. So they even kind of, you know, have her delving back into those memories. Um, so yeah, it's not resolved at the end. So I'm not sure that I have any particular conclusions about it, but it seems (laughs) like, you know, worth mentioning
0: yeah no i i definitely think it is worth making sure we bring up um <clears throat> and yeah you you get the sense that not just and and i think that the sort of realization that maybe even though we didn't always see it before that like she's been sort of feeling um you know what what she's that 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 is more than just like headaches right it's not just like yeah there's a headache that causes her to have a vision and then she sort of knows things, but it's that there are sensations to go along with it. And so there's sort of the, the physical sensations, like you said, like it seems like she feels the, you know, being stabbed in the eye of, you know, what the guy is doing to himself or whatever. But um, also later in the episode, she makes reference to the fact that he felt happy. So she can also feel the emotional sensations and, and, and not just that he felt happy, but also that, that seemed odd. So like the implication there being that previous occasions, she has also felt what other people have felt. And maybe they felt scared or, mm-hmm. you know, hurt or depressed or what, you know, whatever the case might be, you know, um, you know, with regard to whatever those situations are. So it seems to be that she not only like, it's not just a vision, but it's, it's a more empathic response and that yeah. she's feeling both, the sensations and the emotions of the person who or you know potentially people who are uh you know being affected in these visions um and who they need to to you know save or whatever yeah, yeah. um the uh well and of course like in in visions like this it's not that the the key doesn't become to save them because you know yeah they like get the The family gets like ushered out of the country and, you know, sort of there's a hush-hush thing, but it, it leads to ultimately stopping this uh, clinic that mm-hmm. um, Wolfram and Hart is, is sort of supporting. Um, the other, the important piece too is, uh, you know, from what Wesley says uh, about just sort of noting that um you know, previously the these visions were from Doyle, so yeah. Uh, you know, Doyle was half demon, and so was sort of stronger, stronger maybe in a physical sense, but also stronger in that like being half demon. He also has sort of like the fantasy aspect, right? He he's got mm-hmm. sort of the magic, yeah, uh, to handle the visions in a way that right. Cordy, as a human, doesn't. So even. Right. You know, it's not even about like physical strength. It's sort of about your uh, supernatural or lack thereof. Yeah, makeup. yeah. um You know, right. He
1: has sort of one foot in that, you know, magical world anyway. So
2: right, right. Yeah. So uh, the
1: speculation of can she even handle this, or for how long? Um,
0: right. Like, like it seems to be taking something of a toll uh, yeah. on her body. Right. Um,
1: right. And she kind of, a lot of the episodes, she's sort of trying to be sort of very stoic about it, you know, and telling them, sure, you know, I don't need anything. Just take care of it. Stop asking me. You know, she's kind of tired of having to, you know, be looked after all the time and worried about, but at the end, yeah. you know, she does kind of, you know, you know quietly admit to angel that you know they're she says they're starting to take their toll so you know you kind of get the idea that she wants to sort of be able to handle it so she wouldn't be admitting it if she didn't agree that there's you know a problem here um right well and 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 that it's it's cumulative it's getting worse right um
0: yeah, and we don't know like the frequency of these because like they're you know just like you know with the doctor how there may be adventures in between episodes. Like the the presumption is that like right. we're not seeing all of these happen. Like there right. are other ones that occur, yeah. you know, in between you know the weeks that we that we watch them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so like I I mean. You know, again, like like you said, there's no conclusion that we can draw, but, you know, just that idea of like, you know, one, is there anything that even can be done about it? Um, and if so, like, because it's possible, if it's possible to do something about it, does that mean it's right to do something about it? Because this is their lead, you know, connection to the powers that be, which yeah. is you know, helping them to fight the evil in the city and and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, I don't think that's explicitly sort of stated in this episode, but those are the types of things that, like, I think we should be wondering about Cordelia. And, you know, if presented the opportunity, would she take it? Or would Mm -hmm. she, you know, the opportunity of not having these visions anymore? Or would she continue? Because it's become her role in a way and become, you know, not just her role, but her responsibility as well as part of this team. And so, you know, where, you know, we've seen a lot of growth in Cordelia, but where does she stand on that aspect? Like, is that growth at, you know, at what point does that growth that she's experienced become overtaken by the pain and Mm -hmm. suffering of, I mean, and, you know, again, it's that empathic, empathic response. So at what point do other, other people's pain and suffering affect her enough to sort of hang up the hat or seek out a cure or, you know, however, however you want to phrase right. that, uh, you know, potential outcome. Right. So not, not prompting for necessarily responses now, just saying those are the types of things maybe to think about. Yeah. Um. In future episodes.
1: Yeah. Um, well, and for Angel, too, you know, the importance of the visions and the direction to his own redemption story, too. You know, so, you know, it, it not just their link towards how do we save all these people, but it has a very personal, yeah. you know, importance towards Angel's life as well. His, you know, she is providing him with. You know something which you know would be i think it it doesn't just affect her you know it it and obviously it affects the the victims, but it has that kind of greater significance for angel's story yeah um and I wanted to point out too the kind of uh healing that you see in their relationship from the last couple episodes, you know where sure um they've been kind of very gently sort of you know forgiving you know they've been kind of letting angel back into the fold and everything um and you still get wesley as kind of the clear leader who delegates the awkward tasks to angel like you know i'm in charge so you go do the really you know the thing i don't want to do or you know the thing he's scared to do um and you still get angel sort of slight overcompensation of well, you know, I bought you 10 different food because, you know, things to eat because I didn't know, you know, but that obviously being appreciated by Cordy in that he's, you know, the effort that, you know, he's making to help her and, you know, her even, you know, saying, you know, that she loves him, you know, which it like just in a perfectly genuine moment, you know, she appreciates the friendship and is forgiving enough that, you know, to say those words, um, you know, they've gotten past the, the punishment phase of, you know, where she can be, you know, you know, open about, you know, their affection and everything. So, um, and he has the, like the very genuine smile in response, which is sort of rare for him. Um,
0: Right. Uh, yeah yeah one one other thing I wanted to say too is is that um with regard to you know her vision and stuff i mean it's we do know obviously Doyle passed them on to her, so like theoretically it seems possible to pass them pass on them again. on yeah. to someone else um you know uh so if that is possible, you know the question would become you know who would be who else would be capable of handling them Mm -hmm. who who would be trustworthy enough to handle them and Mm -hmm. you know who would be willing to take on that responsibility and you know all that comes with it so Mm -hmm. um just sort of additional fodder for thought as well so i'll go into
1: like speculation mode for and i
0: I, i'm not trying to imply anything no no i'm just
1: i i just had a thought but it generated another thought which was it seems to me that angel's the obvious candidate you know that he's of the group the one who isn't human um sure or at least not fully and so he might be you know the one the only one capable of it um and that might save some time in the sense of like you're eliminating the middleman you know the visions go straight to him um but that makes me wonder whether that middleman is a necessary thing like mm-hmm. if is there some reason why the visions need to come to a friend or you know a, a coworker and and why they don't okay so if the powers that be send these visions to angel in order to help him along his, you know, redemption path and save these people. Why don't they just come to Angel is, is a question. Right. And that makes me wonder whether there's a reason why not that, you know, it's something which, you know, for whatever reason has to be done by one of the others. Um, Maybe
0: maybe like the doctor, he just needs a companion. And And this is, this is a way to sort of force force that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: Which, didn't always work, as we saw earlier, even in the season, that he abandoned them anyway.
1: Right. But if if he had control of the visions himself, that would make it a lot easier to just totally go on, like, the isolation. And, you know, he would be able to just, you know, if he felt like his friends were in danger, it would be easier to cut them out entirely. um, If they're kind of eliminated from that, you know, part of it. So... Just a thought. So let's talk about Lindsay because he's really getting most of the time this episode. Um, so we start in his apartment and we kind of see a bit of his sort of daily struggles with, you know, uh, you know, living with uh, his missing hand. Um, you know, so you get the the ties that are all sort of pre, you know, tied and everything. And, right. uh, makes and,
0: you wonder who tied them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that did Darla. Maybe. No, <laughs> I can't imagine Darla, you know, I mean,
0: he's got enough money. Maybe, he maybe he hired a, tie a tire. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> or like a housekeeper or something. Um, right. And, and I did have to chuckle too, at the kind of sad little guitar sitting in the corner, you know, cause we haven't really had any, hint of, you know, any sort of musical or artistic side to to Lindsay previously. He's been this kind of cutthroat, you know, business, you know, all business kind of lawyer and everything. So uh, I had to sort of smile um, at his sort of longing gaze, you know, looking at his guitar and everything. But, you know, you're getting this idea of the way in which... You know, his job for Wolfram and Hart and his encounters with Angel have sort of, are kind of ruining his life. You know, like things are just much more, everything is more difficult now. You know, Um it's not the end of the world to lose your hand, but it certainly makes everything, you know, that much more complicated. Um He can't go about his daily routines without constantly being reminded of, you know, how he's, you know, been injured and everything. Um, So kind of like Cordy, you get the sense of like, this whole thing is starting to take its toll in a way, I guess. Um, And so then we get the meeting with the boss and you're kind of leading up to this decision of, you know, who they're going to, they're finally going to make a decision of we're going to promote somebody. Um, you know, and you get Lila has been getting more and more anxious the whole time. And, you know, it. in some ways she's more anxious to be, she's more ambitious, she's more anxious to be promoted, but in the other way it's like she's convinced that she's not going to be the one that's chosen. So her whole ambition is based on like, covering her butt, basically. So, like, you know, um, working all the overtime and stealing, you know, secret files and hiding guns and everything she can do to sort of protect herself. And Lindsay's hard for me. I never really know. Even after this episode, (laughs) I, I still have a hard time figuring Lindsay out. And I'm not sure maybe that's totally intentional. Um, Yeah. But, you know, maybe that's just the character. Is this completely inscrutable, you know, to what extent is he ambitious or not? It's really hard to say, you know, because on the one hand he seems kind of competitive with Lila. On the other hand, it kind of seems like he really couldn't care less who gets promoted. And it's all a big sort of joke to him. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you have thoughts on that or whether you think maybe it's supposed to be kind of ambiguous or...
0: No, I definitely do. Because, I mean, you get the sense that, that Lindsay... So, just even knowing and having seen what he's done in the past, he definitely seems on the one hand to be sort of cool and and collected a lot of the time, but also you get the sense that a lot of his major decisions are made on impulse and Mm. sort of off the cuff Mm -hmm. that like, I almost, okay. So we're jumping ahead right to the evil hand scene of him, you know, uh, Lila finding out that she didn't get the promotion and reaching for something in her purse, presumably a gun or yeah, something, yeah. you know. Uh, and then, you know, Lindsay sort of is like, you know, chill. You know, they picked me clearly, but hey, I have an evil hand, so I'm not going to do what they want kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And, and sort of giving this... Uh, uh, you know, I'm a rogue guy and, you know, blaming it on this evil hand. And there's a legitimate sort of, you know, aspect to his blame there. I mean, they gave him an evil hand. So, like, everything he's saying is true. But you also get the sense that the evil hand is kind of a scapegoat. And that this is, like, maybe something that he's been thinking about. And it's just, like, had he not been picked, he might have, like, Tried to stay with Wolfram and Hart and and, you know, tried to prove himself to them because Mm. that seems to be sort of what his personality needs is the constant approval. But the fact that he did get picked is like, well, I have the approval and now I don't give a crap about it. Right. And so I'm going to leave and, you know, I'm such a rogue. Watch me walk out the door. Um So I kind of feel like in some sense, you know, Lindsay is just sort of a classic contrarian that no matter. sure, And maybe that's why
1: I find him confusing is he seems to be always switching his, you
0: know, his
1: viewpoint. Um, Yeah.
0: And I, I think that's part of his personality is that that it just simply sort of suits his, you know, personal aesthetic in a way to, mm -hmm. to go the other way than what people expect of him. But, you know, at the same token, like,
2: you
0: you know, it's hard to fault him for sort of, you you know, this is I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, moment. And so, you know, it's hard to fault him for that because, like, he has sort of put blood, sweat and tears into his position at Wolfram and Hart. And what has it gained him? It gained him uh, first a lost hand and then an evil hand, you know, and it's like, you know, what's he... What else is he going to do there? So what What does this promotion mean? Well, it's just more of the same and, you know, he might get paid more, but, you know, is it worth the sort of trouble that he's gone through to this point? And it seems like not. And I, I do think, I do think you get the sense that, like, through the guitar playing and, you know, his singing at Caritas, that, like, there is a sense of, like, you know, I have lost something. You know, there's there's something that, uh, you know, maybe I forgot that I had, and that mm-hmm. I need to find again. Um, so that's sort of an underlying thing. You know, with like you said, so, sort of throughout the episode, the the initially the longing looks at the guitar, and then, you know, say so sort of first tentative playing it, and then you know singing, and and playing, um, playing a song actually that uh christian kane wrote by the way Mm -hmm. um you know specific it's called la song and it you know wrote it specifically for this episode um but yeah just that idea of you know that maybe there's something about and of course okay so i you know went to school for english literature i've always wanted to be a writer and have written some things and you know mm-hmm. all of that and and you know my own history i spent 12 years in a large financial corporation <laughs> that was you know sufficiently soul-sucking maybe not quite as bad as wolverman heart soul-sucking but yeah. you know
1: not at least on not the far below yeah. anyway yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: yeah there wasn't any literal soul sucked but yeah. um yeah. You know, so like I totally get that impetus of, OK, you you know, you want to be a sort of responsible career man and do what you're supposed to do and, you know, make lots of money. And, you know, who cares if you do a few unethical things along the way? I'm not saying I ever did anything unethical, but I understand that, like, there might be yeah, compromises, uh, you, you know, yeah. compromises that are made. Yes. Yeah. um, And so I think. I think if there's anything genuine to say about Lindsay, you can say that that he you know, he realizes that at some point he sort of lost sight of the things he really likes to do, and that maybe just there you I'm not saying he's going off to like pursue a, a, a new career as a you know, acoustic rock god or anything. <laughs> uh he's no Giles, that is. Uh but but you know, maybe that's an aspect of it and and maybe that's the genuine aspect of it and i think I think that i I know I jumped all over the place sort of in talking about this, and we can go sure. back and sort of fill in the gaps if you want, but I think that might be also one of the keys to uh what he says to angel at the end of don't don't let them make you play their game mm-hmm. that he his realization. In this episode is that he 's been playing a game, and the way he 's been playing it has to be has been to be that contrary guy mm-hmm. and that he doesn 't want that anymore that that's that's b s and you know now he 's going to stop being the contrary guy, and he 's just going to go do what he actually enjoys rather than yeah. sort of pretending to enjoy this thing that in the end is more hurtful than helpful
1: yeah, and I think specifically, not only has he been playing a game, but he's been playing their game. So under right. the under the guise of self-advancement, he's been serving them. You know, he's not even, you know, anything he thought he was doing in his own interest was just in service of, you know, this soul-sucking, you know, uh corporation. You know, at least that's his experience is that, the more he got promoted, the more, supposedly, the more benefits they gave him, the more he was enslaved to them, not actually, you know, advancing himself at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's kind of interesting with the, I got the same impression as you in the kind of uh, my hand is crazy speech at the end of that. It is an excuse, you know, that, you know, he's being kind of flippant and deliberate you know it's sort of like well now I have an evil hand so you can't hold me accountable for anything or predict what I'm gonna do you know um and it kind of makes me wonder you know is it that realization of um kind of getting the hand and then seeing the clinic where they have all these people sort of kept on ice you know to harvest them for these parts and everything you know part of it i think is that realization of you know you may think you're you're safe and protected by this job but you're not and they'll use people and so there's that kind of realization of Mm -hmm. look what they'll do to for their own interests they'll harvest their own employees and then give him a very dangerous and unreliable hand which might turn on him at any minute so these are not you know trustworthy allies but also maybe that sense of but the relief of saying well now i have an excuse to leave they finally crossed the line and done something you know which is you know personally you know endangering him and so there's a kind of freedom in the way that he says well i have a crazy hand now so all bets are off and you know he can come finally kind of say well you know you screwed up and i'm out of here and you can't get mad at me for it because my hand is crazy and i might kill you you know so it finally gives him the leverage to escape them you know um you know of
0: cool But the other thing, too, is that is how crazy is actually the hand that he gets? Because you find out that it's this guy, you know, who he used to work with. But also, you know, okay so it's writing kill, kill, kill on the paper. But it's, you know, you find out that he wants himself to be like he wants to die. So it's like, is it really an evil? I mean, okay you know, right whatever your thoughts about suicide and that, that, you know, that's a serious discussion for another time. Like this guy wasn't trying to kill other people. He right. wanted, he wanted to be put out of his own misery. Right. And, right. and so how evil is no, that really? It's, like It's
1: total theater. That last yeah. scene with the boardroom. It's, this yeah. is, this is, they don't know the difference, you know, and other people have been killed or right. injured as a result of this, medical procedure. So this is him, yeah, I am this is my ticket out of here, you right. know, is to say you guys forced this on me and now I'm having all sorts of dangerous side effects and so you're going to let me go with no follow-up or questions and I won't be held accountable right. if you chase me. Um
0: Well, not only that, but it's it's the unpredictability, right? It's like we don't know what he'll do. Right. <laughs> so it's 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 sort of that. It's like uh, you know, I I've heard this, I don't know how true it is, but you know, Hey, uh, it's an anecdote. So it, it, it's a story. It must be true. Right. Um, but, but I've heard that, uh, you know, like in prison, you know, the crazy guys get left alone, right? Like, you you know, they're, they're the ones who don't get picked on or, you know, abused or whatever. And, and, and why? Well, because they're crazy. And so this is sort of, you know, Lindsay going for broke and it's like, I'm, I'm a nut job i'll fly off the handle at the smallest thing so you know stay
2: away put, yeah put that
0: in your pipe and smoke it you know and yeah. and and as long as you leave me alone i'll leave you alone kind of mm-hmm. thing so uh yeah yeah anyway um well we, and ca- we should
1: mention too that as he does I I I also kind of like the ambiguity of, of what he does to Lila at the end, because is he helping her or not? You know, there's a sense in which like, yeah, he was going to get the promotion and that potentially meant bad things for her. So it's kind of like he's rescuing her and saying, you know, I'm out of here and you, you know, she can have the promotion, but also like, He wants to leave for a reason. He knows he hates it here. These people are dangerous and untrustworthy and unscrupulous. And so it's sort of like assuring her a place in their midst isn't also going to really do her any favors. Um, You know, he's sort of replacing her into the seat that he doesn't really want to be in. So, which I kind of like with the kind of like, love-hate relationship between Lindsay and Lila. Like, they're kind right. of these partners that really can't stand each other at all. So um, I like that it kind of... He's kind of, like, helping and damning her in the same sort of instant. Um, yeah. And exposing, like, all of her...
2: Right.
1: Uh, you know, research that she's done. So she she's now presumably protected... <laughs>
2: Right. because
1: of all the dirt she has on um on all the other ones. So and and him kind of pointing out, yeah, she really is the more ambitious one that she's the one doing everything she can to protect herself and you know, working, you know, putting in as much effort and overtime. With Lindsay it seemed to just come more naturally that like he just sort of has the good ideas that the boss wants to hear and sort yeah. of was getting sort of promoted you know, for you know you know, for who knows what, really, for just kind of right. towing the line and doing a generally a good job, um whereas Lila is like that person who's you know constantly trying way too hard and is always frustrated at not getting the recognition for that
0: right. yeah, yeah, um. Yeah, no, it 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 is a sort of fitting end, we assume, to their relationship that he gives her what he what she wants and at the same time sort of screws her <laughs> over. <laughs> right. Uh by doing so. So
1: Right. Yeah. Is getting what you want with Wolfram and Hart really a good thing? It's kind of hard to you know um like you were saying, like what was he getting for all of these promotions and advancement, just more pain and misery and frustration. So that's sort of what she has to look forward to, I think is, you know, more responsibility, more pressure on her shoulders, um, more
0: danger probably. So,
2: yeah.
0: Yep. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how much, so I don't know how much to, that, do you want to go back and talk about any of the sort of plot devices of, you know, how him and Angel sort of end up working together and stuff? Um,
2: I mean,
1: I don't know that I have a lot, really. Um, other than the, kind of what we covered. um
0: the The, the, car, the Caritas scene is kind of funny insofar sure. as that, especially like how much you have the... Um, the team sort of complaining about Angel going and singing and what happens when they get there, they see yeah. his like worst enemy up on yeah. stage yeah. and he's killing it. Like, Blowing and all, you all know, away. everyone yeah. loves it. And, yeah. and even like, you know, all of the team members are, like, are, complimenting, are him complimenting him and, him. and everyone and, sort of Cord-
1: instantly is crushing on him. Yeah. And yeah.
0: yeah, Cordy's like, I know you're evil, but that yeah. was really awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and the host is ready to kick out anybody who's, like, making a lot of noise and, like, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And and also that you get the sense, well, you know, again, reiterating, you know, the host's sort of role of putting people on their path. And, yeah. and he says to Lindsay, I'm telling you what, what, but what you do with that information is up to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, and... You know, sort of the interesting aspect of like, okay, so clearly Lindsay has been coming here for a while and singing, like, you Mm -hmm. know, this is not, you know, the host sort of alludes to the fact that this is not the first time that he's sung and whatever. So clearly he's given him advice before, but also the fact that like, it's what led Lindsay to sort of rediscover, you know, himself in a way and leave town and ultimately stop working for Mm -hmm. Wolfram and Hart, which okay, like, he's not dead, like, he's not whatever, but in a way, this is kind of a win for Angel. And, you know, you know, uh, uh, especially considering, like, when we first saw Lindsay, you know, he was defending, like, the biggest, baddest vampire in town kind of thing, you know, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that there's all these um, people now, well, not people, but, you know, demons or whatever, now that, like, won't have Lindsay, who was apparently quite good at his job, you know, mm-hmm. doing his job anymore. So there is there is a sense that, I mean, I, I don't want to take this too far because I still think probably the host has set people on their paths to do maybe not so good things in the past, mm-hmm. including Lindsay. But mm-hmm. there is a sense, too, that, like, and, you know, it's maybe a longer game than just, oh, you know, I tell you this one thing and then you go do something bad. Like maybe there is a sense of it all comes out in the wash in the end because now, right. you know, without having done all those things, Lindsay wouldn't have got to this point. So maybe he'd still be right doing bad things. I don't, right. you know, or may- if
1: you can, if you can take a, a long enough view that Yeah. are the path, the, the true right path always has a sort of net benefit for, the larger, you know, yeah. community, not just maybe what the person needs to do in that immediate moment. Um, sure. At least if you're, you know, following what your path should be.
0: Right. Um, right, and and obviously, and and there, you know, there is that free will aspect to it too, because it, you know, it seems pretty clear that the choice can be made not to follow it. Hmm. Um. Which I guess also brings up the fact is, so did Lindsay follow his path or not? I mean, I think we sort of assume that he did, but I Mm -hmm. don't, you know, it's hard to say because we know enough to, you know, from what the host says uh, that he and that Lindsay and Angel are supposed to work together. So the fact that they do work together, I guess we can sort of assume that that is their path, but yeah. yeah, anyway. that
1: kind of seems to be the implication.
0: Um, so I guess I did have more to say about that stuff than I thought at first. But um, okay. I don't know if there's a lot more to say <laughs> beyond that. <laughs> um, any any thoughts? Any So I will say this isn't the last time we see Lindsay. Um, But I won't say, like, when or in what circumstances or whatever. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I kind of... He's been a pretty major character, so I kind of was suspecting that might be the case, but I didn't really know um, one way or the other whether he comes back to play a big part or whether we just see him, like, one more time. I I don't know, so
0: i i mean we do definitely get the finality of angel like don't come back you know (laughs) um so but you know
1: they kind of leave you know uh amicably enough but definitely they are happy to see the back of each other that's for sure um they don't Um, really end up becoming friends after this it's sort of a Okay, mutual agreement to go our separate ways and just keep out of each other's, yeah. you know,
0: yeah. hair and everything. Yeah, and they both seem perfectly fine with that. Yep. Um, yep.
1: Yeah, and and I, I, Lindsay being done with the whole kind of L.A. thing too. You know that it's that's part of it is sure. like, you know, it's not just I don't want to be around you. It's you know what this whole city you can keep it. Um, you know so there's some sort of relationship there between Angel and Wolfram and & Hart and the whole thing with you know the city of LA in particular i think
0: yep um so yeah i and i'll also actually um just mention that uh again i won't mention circumstances or timing but the hole that Lindsay sort of leaves in the cast offers an opportunity for another lost alum to uh, appear. Another one. Interesting. So this
1: is like, they're racking up the,
0: we, 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 we've already seen a couple so far. Yeah. Uh,
1: They're racking up the lost cameos. All right. So,
0: so yeah. Yeah. So I won't, again, I won't say, who or when or under what circumstances. But hmm. I'll just sort of throw that out. And, and I will No, I won't. I won't say. <laughs> anyway, anyway right. so with that tantalizing tidbit, we uh, <laughs> will sign off and we'll talk about some Buffy next week along with the uh, Christmas episode of Doctor mm-hmm. Who and our final episode discussion of Doctor yeah. Who. Yeah. For a, for a while anyway.
1: For a while, yeah. All right. See you then.